want to be the second or third because as you hear, we like to say Happy Daughter's Day here at New Hope because we want to honor and celebrate all women. No matter what season of life you may be in right now, no matter if you're waiting for God's promise, no matter if you're a mother or whatever it is, we want to celebrate and honor you. I just love that video and just like some of you in this room, it, it brought tears to my eyes because I can completely relate to picking out all my flaws, to picking out all the things that, that I look at myself and I don't like, instead of seeing the things that people see. And, and she's, she's pretty. Well, all of us have insecurities. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? What do you say about yourself? Are you able to receive compliments? Somebody gave me a compliment the other day, and I was like, but I didn't wash my hair. Like, why do we do that? Why do we, like, avert compliments? You did that this morning when I told you. That was today. You, it wasn't the hair wash because you did. And my favorite is, that's such a cute dress. Yeah, it has pockets. I'll <laughs> do that, but we have, it has pockets. So that, cause that, that makes it cuter. I don't know. But just I want you to think about, you know, when somebody does give you a compliment, think of your response. Respond by speaking life over yourself. The thing about a mirror is that it doesn't have any of those cute filters like Snapchat, although I wish that it does. Like I look in the mirror and have little cute butterflies around my head, but what you see is your true God-given reflection. And the truth of the matter is, is so many people have had a part of the reflection that you see. So many people have had a part just by speaking life or death over you. Yeah. Or are you speaking life or death over yourself? That affects the reflection that you see. The things that you've done, the things you've been through, the, the storms that you've faced, the decisions that you've made, that affects the reflection that you see in the mirror when you look. So many people put labels, and what you need to understand about labels are what you call yourself. Some would say, I'm a mom. Some would say, I'm a teacher. But labels are tags that you identify and attach yourself to describe the person that you think that you are. So, babe, if I were going to ask you to describe yourself, let's hear some things that you would say about yourself. What? I ain't even said nothing. <laughs> well, I hide my imperfections with this majestic beard on my face, for once, which, which is why I have it. That's, uh, I, I am I am a Jesus follower. I am a husband of 12 years. I am a father of three. I am I'm really good looking for my age. You are. Um, I can hit a golf ball and a softball really far. That's sometimes in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And and I like to shoot animals and eat them. <laughs> Okay, so he obviously doesn't have any issues with talking about himself or in any insecurities that we know of as he speaks. It, well, it wasn't my blossoming personality that you were attracted to. This that's is for a true sure. fact. Yes. It's like, oh, you I bet he's my sweet. Attention. Oh, no. look at him. <laughs> that ain't what happened. And he didn't have a beard at the time either, so, you know. All right, so the definition of a label is a classifying phrase or name applied to a person or thing. So the thing about labels is that they have the ability to restrict us, restrict our faith. And we're going to go deeper into that as we move forward. Labels limit us, mm. 
Labels affect how we see ourselves, and labels affect our view of God and how we think he sees us. When I was asking the Lord what he wanted me to share, I, I just kept hearing the word identity. And I think that's because if we miss who we are in Christ, we will miss God's will for our life. Yeah. We'll completely miss it. We'll completely miss the purpose that he has for us. We'll begin to think that our purpose is related to our circumstance or our purpose is related to how we feel or the situation that we're in or where God has us in a season. So before I even get started, I just want to speak some life over you because I want your spirit to be reminded of who you are in Christ so you're able to receive what we have for you this morning. Yeah. So I just want you to just, I want you to hear, I want you to hear these words, not what somebody said to you this week, not what maybe some, someone said to you before you walked in, but I want you to hear the words that I speak because these are God's words for you. You need to be reminded of who you are. It doesn't matter what other people have called you. It doesn't matter what you've even called yourself. Yeah. The only one that has the right to tell you who you are is Jesus, and he calls you by name. Yeah. He named you. Hmm. I want you to know that other people aren't qualified to name, name you or label you, and your circumstances may have made things difficult in your life, but they do not define you. Your failures do not define you. People do not define you. Your health mm. and the things that you're dealing with right now do not define you. Your history may have marked you, but it does not have the authority to scar you and keep you where you're at. So you need to be reminded right now the authority that you get to walk in because he calls you by name and you are his. I want to say this. If it wasn't in love, don't listen to it. If it wasn't in love, lay it down. If it wasn't in love, leave it right here today. Because the scripture says clearly that the wrath or the anger or the frustration of an individual does not achieve the righteousness of God. It's in James 1.20. So if it wasn't spoken to you in love, then it wasn't from Jesus. So you can lay it down and you can leave it right where it is. This is who God says that you are as his child, as his follower, Isaiah 43, verse 1. And remember, Isaiah was a prophet. So today I am engaging by reading this passage over you. I am engaging in a prophetic proclamation over you. Now, now, despite what was, but now, despite what you've done, where you've been, what you've been called, how you've been carrying what you've been called, but now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, that's your past, he who formed you, Israel, that's who he sees you as, do not fear. Why? For the Lord has redeemed you. God says, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. I asked my little girl, why do I love you? Because I'm your daughter, because you're my daddy. Yeah, 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 because you are mine. Why does God love you? It has nothing to do with where you've been, what you've done, or what you've been called. It has to do with the fact that he created you on purpose, for a purpose, and he calls you his. Yep. You are Mine. I want to go back to labels. Labels have the ability to limit us when we look at them from our perspective. 
But when we begin to look at the labels from God's perspective, what actually could have been used as a limitation becomes a launch pad. God begins to transform the label and the limitation. When we lean into him, he begins to transform that and use that to promote his purpose in us. For instance, when I was young, I remember this, six, seven, eight years old. I remember being compared by my biological father to some of the other athletes around me. And he wasn't being ugly. He was just very realistic. He was attempting to show me, look, man, like I know you want to play in the major leagues. Everybody does. But there are only actually a few of these guys who, who will probably make it to the next level and who will probably ever play at the next level. And so my father, unintentionally trying to help me, put a label on me. But what was a limitation actually became an inspiration. And for the next 15 years, I began to seek to prove that label wrong. And ultimately, God used that label to inspire me and give me a voice into the, the lives of younger athletes who now look up to me because of what God allowed me to do. So what was a limitation became inspiration, and God used that as a launch pad. Let me say this. I'm going to pass it back to the one that wrote this message. Our identity, our identity should never be tied to something or someone that can be taken away. Our identity should never be. We tie, we tie our identity to way too many things. It's why you feel better about yourself if you have a bunch of likes on the posts that you made. It's temporary. It's why you get angry if somebody says something that you didn't want them to say on something that you said. Because our identity is tied to temporary things and temporary people instead of the creator of the things yeah. and the creator of the people. The only one that can never be taken away is the one who formed you and fashioned you in his image and his likeness. I love the scene of Mary Magdalene when she encounters Jesus. That's probably my most favorite as of right now going through The Chosen because she was, I mean, she was a wreck, a hot mess, okay, to, to say the least. And she encountered Jesus, he spoke her name, and she was completely transformed. And so when you encounter Jesus, you should look different. You should speak different. You should begin to probably put a, kind of take a step back from the people that probably bring you down. Yeah. You should probably quit going to the places that causes you to act like you used to act. Mm. And you need to, and if it's not transforming you, if Jesus is not transforming your life, then you may want to reevaluate, are you truly surrendering every aspect of your life to him? Yeah. And are you allowing him to transform you? Mm. Nicodemus asked her when he, because he, she was obviously different. He was like, whoa, hey, when did you feel the change? Because I did it, right? Like that was, he was kind of like prideful, like, so when did you feel it when I left? And uh, she looked at him like, well, nothing you did. Isn't that what we do, though? Yeah. When we don't feel like God is near, when we don't feel joy, when we don't feel peace, when we don't feel like God is answering our prayers, we allow that to affect how, our faith and how we see him and how we think he sees us. And she said, 
It was, he said that I was redeemed, and he said I was set free, and he called me by name, and I was transformed. Your father has given you a name. He says that you are a royal priesthood, that you are royal, that you have been adopted, qualified, and you are not a mistake. I had the opportunity to pray with a, a student, and she, you could tell she was really struggling with her identity. She just had like a dark cloud over her. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to remind her that she was not a mistake. Yeah. And as soon as I said, you are not a mistake, her eyes kind of lit up. And, and so then I just started speaking life over her. Quit speaking death over yourself. Yeah. If you deal with depression, don't say, I, I'm a any, I don't know, I, what, what do you say? I'm, I deal, I don't know. Stop I'm a, confessing yes, evil over yourself. Right. Or I um, am emotionally not healthy. Don't say that about yourself. Quit speaking death over yourself. Rise above it. Begin to speak as though you want to be, not as though you are. Okay? <laughs> Begin to speak against that. Don't speak death over yourself. The same goes with your children. I, my child lied, and she said, I'm a liar. I'm a, and I was like, you are not a liar. Like, that is not who you are. You may have lied, but you are not a liar. You're not a cheater. You may have done that, but that's not who you are. Yeah. So it, it really does affect what you say. You have the opportunity to speak life or death with your tongue. What's, what's amusing to me is I have heard come out of her mouth. I'm, I'm not a preacher. And yet here she sits. I'm talking bringing the word that God has given her. But not on her own account because of who God is molding her into. And the things that God has shown me to stop saying and to start saying over her. Hear this, and I'm going to give it back to her. We're going to have a little fun for a minute. Whenever you speak death or discouragement or evil or ugly over yourself, you're actually grieving the Holy Spirit. I, some people got distracted. I got to say it again. <laughs> Whenever you speak death, evil, imperfection, discouragement over yourself, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You're not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I didn't say you just committed the unpardonable sin. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit put the image of God on the inside of you. He made you the way that you are on purpose. Yeah. And so when you begin to speak ill over what God did, it actually grieves the heart of the Father that made you the way that you are for a reason. Yeah. He didn't make you like the people you're comparing yourself to because he didn't want you to be the people that you're comparing yourself to. That's right. So start celebrating with the Holy Spirit the image of God that he created you to be. Let us create them in our image and likeness. That is who you are. So let's talk about some personality labels because if, if we say this is how we are, then we can allow those personality labels to limit us. So all my extroverts, hey, wave at me, all my extroverts, yeah. Y'all would get up you. and do a little spin and a dance if I asked you to. You are the kind of people that you love attention. You scream when you win a purse. Uh, you're a very expressive person. You're outgoing. You like to talk a lot. 
Um, all my introverts. I ducked it. All the introverts in the house wave at me. You hate that I'm asking you to do this. You're breaking out the sweat wait, in your I just red. saw somebody go. <laughs> <laughs> and most of y'all did not raise your hand because I know there's more than three introverts in the room. Literally, three of y'all were like. <laughs> so you are very quiet, you're shy, and you do not like extra attention. So all my A-type people, I love you because I am not you, okay? But I need to surround people Preach. like you around me. So all my A-types, hello, I need to know who you are. Okay, you are extremely organized, competitive, goal-oriented, task-oriented, and I like to say you're a little bit of a control freak, but I love it, okay? I, I love it. Um, B-types. These are my peoples. Hey, B-types. Or I like to say Z-types because I literally like fly by the seat of my pants most of the time. Um, Chris likes to say I'm a procrastinator, but I'm like, I'm just making it exciting, you know? Um, I'm the complete... We are Stressful the <laughs> is the word that you were looking for. <laughs> complete opposite of the A-types. I love this. Just relax. Has a calming influence. Consistent and steady. Less competitive. I could really care less. Okay with losing. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> All right, so those are personality labels. And it's good to know those things about yourself. Yeah. And we say all these things because if we're not careful, we can allow those things to limit us. Yeah. Just because I'm not an A-type, God is using me in my weaknesses right now. Hey, Megan, start a school. I'm going to use you in the very areas where you stink at. And he's going to stretch, and he's stretching me in those areas and making me better. I don't get to make up an excuse as to why he can't use me based off of my weaknesses. I have to allow, like, I just, ha I don't have to be ready. I just have to be willing. You heard that? You don't have to be ready. You just have to be willing. So if God is speaking something in you and stirring something up, know that you don't have to be ready. You have to be willing. All yeah. right? So you introvert people. God's probably going to have you to start a small group. He may ask you to well, teach a small group, okay? Because he's going to use the areas that you don't want him to use you in. Yeah. Because then you, you wouldn't need to lean into him, right. okay? But he's going to use us in the areas that we need him most. And I love that. God can use us in our strengths. It's just usually a little bit more difficult for him to receive glory whenever we're operating in the things that we're already confident in. Mm -hmm. It's actually more likely that God is going to use us in our weaknesses, as my bride just said, so that we will lean on him and only he gets the credit and the glory right. for what he uses us to do. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can see, this message was written by her. I'm, I'm just kind of a moral support. It's my here covering, today. my comfort blanket. <laughs> That's really. Um, I tend to lean in this area when you discuss strengths and weaknesses. I, I'm a little bit, I'm not a complete leadership guru, like I don't have a PhD in it yet, but, but I do lean into the leadership perspective and because pastors aren't leaving the ministry. People aren't breaking up good relationships because they don't know scripture. Mm -hmm. They're doing those things because they don't know how to lead people. Mm -hmm. We know what it means to love God. We just don't know how 
to love the people that God puts in our lives. And so then we begin to question him because of them. So I lean into leadership a little bit, and obviously one of the gurus of all gurus in regards to leadership is John Maxwell, and I tend to lean into his mentality of, I don't spend a lot of time focusing on my weaknesses. I mean, as you can see, when my wife asked me, you know, to describe myself, I'll work on my weaknesses, okay, but I want to let God Number one, strengthen my strengths because there are some things that he created me to do that only I can do. And there are some things that need to be done that two, three, four, five hundred other people could be doing. And so instead of just focusing on my weaknesses and, and whining about them or complaining about them, I tend to try to look for people who are strong where I'm weak. Yeah. Um, for instance, simple one. I've told you, and I'll say it probably for the rest of my life, I don't really like people. Like as a whole, not like individual people, but like just humanity as a, as a whole. I, now God has honed that and given me a pastor's heart, and I love people. But I found somebody who just naturally likes people. And so I try to keep her really close because most people like me because of her. And so as long as I'm with her, I'm strong in the area of dealing and liking people. So I like to look for people who are strong in the areas where I'm weak. But then at the end of the day, I allow God, hear me, to begin to strengthen me and use me despite my weaknesses. Think about the Apostle Paul. The man who could put a handkerchief in a box and send it to somebody, they'd take it out and receive a healing. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh. The guy with the gift of healing had a thorn in his flesh that he could not overcome. And when he was praying about it, he wrote down the voice of God. This is the only other time that we have recorded in the New Testament that he heard the voice of God outside of the road of Damascus when he was actually redeemed the first time, received salvation there. This is what the voice of the Lord said to Paul. This is what he writes down. My grace, says the Lord, is sufficient, not for your strengths. Mm -hmm. That's not even where I want to use you. My grace is sufficient for you my power is actually perfected in that area that you've been complaining about my power in your life says the lord is actually perfected in the area that you thought was flawed that's where god wants to move in and paul says therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses because the image of God is being perfected in those areas specifically so that the power of Christ may actually rest upon me and stay there. Let's look at those uh, pictures where labels started. Hey! Y'all remember them glamour shots, y'all? Y'all, I met her in college. I didn't know her then. Wave at me if you took glamour shots. Come on, somebody. A break for bangs. Her mama. This is what my mom sends when you ask her to send the awkward pictures. Send me like some awkward, really horrible pictures of Chris. I know he has some bad pictures. It's like a sophomore in high school. Can we get like a fifth grade picture? (laughs) 
That's funny. Hey, there she is. Pastor Lydia. And embraces. Hey, look at Pastor Weston in that horse mane for a haircut. Come on. <laughs> My man shaved the rest of his head and left the bangs. <laughs> so, hey, you remember that time Pastor Dylan went to homecoming by himself? <laughs> so for real, that's funny. <laughs> Dora, Dora led worship for us this morning. So good. She's so cute. And oh. Micah, man. Yeah, get it with the sword. Now he now fights with the sword of the spirit. <laughs> so we look at those pictures and we laugh, okay? We laugh. But the truth is, that is when labels took root mm. in our hearts. And that is when people began to speak things that we didn't know would affect us. And we have to fight them off daily. Yeah. We have to choose to fight them off daily. Those labels affect how we respond. Those affect how we respond to our spouses, to our friends, to our coworkers. Those labels affect how we respond, um, how we take criticism, yeah. how we're able to take criticism. Are you able to be coachable? That is what it affects. Are you able to grow and learn and be coachable? Let me just say, I'm so glad you grew out those bangs. Yeah, me too, baby. <laughs> How scary. But let me also Mom. say <laughs> that when we become a child of God, we were actually created to grow. And so what we look like when we begin this journey should not be what we look like when we finish this journey mm -hmm. because it starts with a decision come on but the destiny is actually produced through the distance yep. and it's when we begin to grow and we forget that we even used to look like that <laughs> i didn't even know she ever looked like that <laughs> you should have heard adeline when she saw these pictures oh my god look at you it's like thanks thanks yeah, anyways. All right, so let me, let me give this quickly. Um, and I have nothing against cheerleaders. I married a Louisiana Tech cheerleader. I'm, I'm not condemning cheerleaders today. I just believe that one of the intangibles for a child of God, like one of the character traits that you cannot do without in regards to the kingdom, is that you become coachable. Mm. Is that, that we are correctable, that we're teachable, okay? Because a lot of people say they want a coach, but what they really want is a cheerleader. And again, nothing against cheerleaders, except for if you take this analogy and you apply it literally, a cheerleader will likely only tell you what you want to hear. But a coach, like the Holy Spirit, and the people that he puts in your lives that can actually see things that you're not willing to see and say things that you're not willing to hear, a coach will begin to tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Yeah. A cheerleader will applaud you when you are wrong. But a coach will give you correction. And that correction will actually lead to construction. A cheerleader may accidentally sing and shout and clap when the ball is going in the wrong direction. <laughs> Because most of the time, listen, most of the time, a cheerleader is not even really there for the people that they're cheering for. <laughs> but a coach is only there for the people that are on the field. 
A coach will give you correction that will cause you to turn back in the right direction. A cheerleader will make you feel better about losing. But a coach will tell you why you lost. And what you could do to make an adjustment so that you could begin to actually be victorious. This is the last one. A cheerleader kindly, kindly lets you do whatever you want to do. Hear me. A coach will make you do things that you didn't want to do so that you become more than you would have ever been mm -hmm. if it weren't for the coach. Chris is obviously one of my coaches because he makes me do things that I do not want to do, but I appreciate it. It makes me grow <laughs> and it makes me be better. And she's my cheerleader. You know? <laughs> so I was giggling because literally, so Adeline listened to us record this message on Thursday and we're at the ball field and Gabriel did something that was not great. And um, he could have done better, but I was like, you did so good. You got on the base, buddy. And she's like, but he got out. Like, and then, and then, and then she says, you're being a cheerleader right now. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm glad that you listened. <laughs> Last week, Chris showed the clip of the man with leprosy being healed. As soon as he had an encounter with Jesus, he became the person that God created him to be. Mm. Everyone else had, had told him he needed to go seclude himself. Everybody else shunned him. Everybody else talked about him. Everybody else would not even sell him food. He could not go into the community without people calling out his label. Yeah. But as soon as he encountered Jesus, had a true encounter, it changed his life. Mm. I love this series, Kingdom Culture, because... The theme is Jesus changes everything. He yeah. really does. Are you allowing him to change you? I want to show you a scene of a woman that was undeserving, but Jesus saw who she could be despite who she had been. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat. So you have so kindly reminded me. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah. What do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. 
Go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus replied. He replied to what? Jesus replied to everything this woman thought of herself. Jesus replied to every label that had ever been placed on her, every insecurity that she carried, and the isolation that kept her from the God that she wanted to know because of what her family did. Yeah. These Samaritans, this is what Jesus replied to. He said, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, come on, 
overflowing, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus never named this woman. The scripture never even names this woman. But God gave a 2,500-year-old prophecy to an undeserving Samaritan woman that was separated from society. She is the one that God decided to give the revelation of worship, that you become who you are when you get to know me where I am, when you get alone with me despite the labels. That's when I begin to do the real work. So these ping pong balls represent the labels that have been put on, put on us, the things that people have said about us, the things that we've said about ourselves, the, the things we've done, the decisions that we've made. And this is our vessel. And this is what we have filled our vessel with, are things that are not of God. We scroll endlessly on Facebook and, and think that that's gonna fill, fill our cup. And then we leave feeling empty. We go to the places that are fun and then we still leave feeling empty. We go to the well, that the water, and we're thirsty, but we're going to the wrong well that can leave us feeling full. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the living water. So I want to begin to fill myself up, fill my vessel with things of him, begin to fill myself up with the kingdom things. I'm going to begin to go to services. I'm going to begin to get involved in small groups and grow. I'm going to begin not to just come on Sundays and just feel really good about it for a moment and then the rest of the week allow myself to dry out because I'm not doing anything else for myself the rest of the week and then I think I'm going to stay full the whole week as I pour myself out in my family, as I pour myself out in my job and I pour myself out with my children and then you wonder why you're left feeling empty again. Go to the well every single day. Those labels are going to come up to the surface. They're going to come out. And you know what? They can't penetrate. They can't root any longer. So when the lies of the enemy come back and those labels try to sneak back in and the enemy tries to remind you who you were, you're going to flick those labels out. Are they going anywhere? <laughs> flick them out. Flick them out. The Lord unplucks them if the flicking does not work, okay? And you're reminded of who you are. Come on, I know it's amusing, but I want you to remember the illustration that when you fill yourself up with the water of the Word of God, when God begins to take things off the surface, what He's already put in you begins to get on other people. Yeah. They just, because they're around you, they start getting wet. Because they're around you, they begin to serve. Because they're around you, they receive salvation. Because they're around you, they become redeemed. Because they're around you, they may begin to pick up the labels. Come on, don't forget this, baby. You may unintentionally give them some labels that you don't mean to give them if you don't let the waters wash the labels yeah. out of your spirit. Because I'd rather pass this down to the next generation yeah. than I would all the mess that I was carrying before I met him. Go to the well. Jesus wasn't in a service with this Samaritan woman. 
Can y'all hold him for a second? He wasn't in a service. He wasn't in a large group physical gathering. He was alone. Yeah. This isn't the well, it's a well. It's a place. It's important. It's biblical. You should come. Because this is where you are a church. When you come together as the church. But when you get alone with him, that's where the Holy Spirit begins to fill you up. So that he can be a living water in your soul. Not just on Sunday, but every day. As we wrap this up this morning, I've gone back and forth on how I want to do this. Um, I feel like we all need to stand together just for a second. Please don't do anything to distract anybody around you. Yeah, we call this Daughter's Day, as you've heard about a hundred times now, because before you were ever a mama, before you were ever a wife, before you were ever in the corporate world, an employee or a boss, you were a daughter and you were a son. Ladies, I want you to hear not the the word of this 36-year-old son of God today. I want you to hear the heart of this daddy today. I want you to see the eyes of your father looking upon you as I look at Adeline and Emery. I see them differently than they see themselves. God sees you differently. So stop speaking what you've been speaking. And stop thinking what you've been thinking. I want to invite you this morning. Megan asked me to pray over the ladies. I want to invite all of our ladies to just open your hands. Men, I want to invite you to begin to pray. Some of you may need to begin to pray over the lady that you're close to. Specifically, if she's your family member or your spouse. Ladies, I want you to close your eyes and open your hands. And I want you to hear the heart of a daddy today. Jesus, may they see themselves as you see them. May they know that every aspect of their being was not just formed, but fashioned by you. Every fiber was fashioned. Lord, every personality trait, every area that they think is flawed is actually the area that you want to redeem. Every place that they felt condemned, God, I speak today, they are called in Jesus' name. Every area that they've been depressed, I rebuke that depression and I speak destiny in the name of Jesus. I speak divinity. God, every place that a label has been attached to them, that has been a limitation. I rebuke that label in Jesus' name. And I call inspiration to fill the void. From the mouth of the Father, the eyes of God shining down upon them right now, that they would see themselves as you see them, that they are chosen, that they felt fallen, but they're not forsaken. They are forgiven. They are cleansed. Lord, reveal yourself to them. As they seek you, may they find you when they seek you with all of their heart. Because you're not hiding from your daughters. You're not hiding from your sons. You're ready and you're willing 
if we'll just take the time to meet. God, I speak peace in the middle of the storm. Because right now, right now, we don't just acknowledge what we're going through. No, no, no. Right now, we realize who is going through it with us. And when we're with our daddy, we do not fear. When we're with our daddy, we are not afraid. God says, I know what you've done. I know what you've thought and I know what you fear. But you are mine. That's who I created you to be. God, I pray that that would be received this morning. Right now in an attitude of prayer, I I pray for every person in this room. If there's anybody in this room or anybody watching online who is not confident of who they are in you, I pray that they would be before they walk away. God, right now, I pray that if anybody needs to commit or recommit their lives to you, that this would be their day. This would be their moment. That they would confess you as Lord. That they would receive what you have so costly purchased for them. But it's a free gift if we'll just confess and receive. I want to invite you right now, if you're in the room or you're watching online and you need to receive salvation today, you need to receive forgiveness. You came in here forsaken and fallen. You weren't following Jesus, but you want to walk out of here redeemed, a child of God. If that's you, I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are. Every potential son and daughter, open your hands in a posture of surrender. Church, I want to ask you to pray today. I want to ask you to confess We're going to begin to confess what Scripture says over us. We're going to use our mouths to confess what God says about us. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for saving me, for purchasing my forgiveness on the cross. You shed your blood to pay for my sin, but you were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new, like you. I am chosen. I am royal. I am not forsaken. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am alive and I have a purpose. I surrender all to my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?